Hi guys, uh, the episode that you're just about to listen to is generously sponsored by our affiliates, Board Game Crate. Board Game Crate uh, provide a monthly subscription service where they get fresh new games delivered straight to your door. Just head over to www.boardgamecrate.co.uk and furthermore, if you use our discount code UnluckyFrogIsAwesome, all lowercase, all one word, you'll get a cheeky little discount. It's easy to remember because it's true. Welcome to the Unlucky Frog Gaming Podcast. I am your host, Ben Porter, joined by my co-host, Charlotte Porter. Hello. And we have Frank West from City of Games on the show with us this week. Hello. Hello, Frank. How are you, Frank? Yeah, no, I'm wonderful. Thanks, guys. How are you guys? Good. good. It's nice to hear that you're wonderful, considering you are in the middle of a Kickstarter campaign. Mm. (laughs) I... I've truly managed to make this the kind of the busiest two months of my life, I think. And it's been absolutely fantastic. But, you know, I love it. I mean, I'm, I love pressure and I love hard work. So, there. Yeah, great. Good. Um, so, Frank is Frank currently has a game called Isle of Cats on Kickstarter. Uh, we'll talk a bit more in depth about that later on in the show. But first, we're, we'll, we'll talk a bit about what we've been up to and all that sort of thing. Yes. So, uh, first things first, we have been chucked right into the deep end of preparing for Tabletop Scotland. Yes, yes. It's been good, though. It's yeah. been good. So, do you want to talk a little bit about what we've been doing, Charlotte? Yeah, so, as you may well know, we are the official media partner for Tabletop Scotland. So, we are in the middle of organising all the recordings for the live seminars and just sort of managing the audio desks and things like that, yeah. and also the questions and stuff for the panels. So, we've been uh, constructing Google Forms left, right, and centre for all the seminars with all the questions so that if anybody's got any questions, you can submit them. So, I will put the links up yep. for that. So, well, have the links in the, yeah. the show notes. Yep. So, you can check that out and you can submit question for one of the the panels yes. that we'll be having at tabletop scotland yeah but um so that that falls at the end of august thanks the august. 25th 24th 25th, 24th, 25th. Yeah. i should really know that you should know that yeah. <laughs> um it's good though no one else yeah so uh be great to see you there if you can make it um we'll be running all over the place mm-hmm uh, facilitating live events but we will have on the the 24th the saturday we'll be doing the the pub quiz yes um but before that we'll be doing game night with unlucky yes. frog yep. and we'll be playing list it and cockroach poker with yep. some friends of the show yep live live so it should yep. be good fun and there will be audience participation yeah. audience participation is mandatory what could possibly go wrong <laughs> yeah and um uh it's worthwhile saying that uh, Richard of We're Not Wizards, he will be he'll be doing a live show. Yes. Yeah, it's a friend of Frank's as well. Yes. 
That means that I can't be at the convention because me and Richard have a rule that basically we're never at the same show. Oh, it's, no. it's been non-stop for the last kind of 18 months. Every time I've not been able to make a show, he's been able to make it and vice versa. So I think it's a sign. Well, maybe we could just rotate you out. We'll yeah. just like so next, <laughs> next year. outside whilst Richard's inside. Or even just next year, uh, Richard, you can't come. <laughs> Yeah. So, this man is banned. We'll have hey, this I did not say this, Richard. It was not yeah. me. Um, but he he'll be hosting the panel yes. on uh, Kickstarter. Yep. Uh, yes. Which is quite apt for yeah. For Crowdfunding one hundred and one, I believe, yeah. is the term. Yeah. The name of it. Yeah. And we'll have a few guests. Yes. Yeah. As well. Yes. So that yeah, it'll be good. It'll be good, a good weekend. Yeah. Um, but gaming wise. Yes. We we actually do game. We don't, yes, we don't just, yeah, we've done quite a few games this week, actually. Record podcasts, <laughs> yep. contrary to popular belief. Um, so I went to G3 yes, which on is Saturday. One of the local sort of, oh yeah, of yeah, course. The Saturday just passed. Yeah. Um, that's run by Glasgow Games Group. It's uh, Or rather, they're called G3. This, this is really confusing. Um, <laughs> they're called G3. The event is Glasgow Games Gathering. Yep. So there was debate about whether they were going to call the event G3. So it's Glasgow Gamers Group running Glasgow Games Gathering. But they're also based in the G3. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just to make things even so more to, confusing. To be abundantly clear, I was at Glasgow Games Gathering, yes. which is the one-day event and not the regular club night. Yes. Following this, Frank. <laughs> I am. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I mean, I've got a lot of G's in my head. So, <laughs> <laughs> so it was a, a one-day event. It was hosted at Bell Houston Sports Centre. Mm-hmm. Um, what was quite nice about this was there was a little bit more of the sort of miniatures games, yeah. the, the the war gaming. Um, lots of friends of the show there as well. Uh, one Free Elephant, uh, Dream Big Games, yep. uh, Bad Cat, Cardboard and Coffee. Um, so they, they pretty much split the hall in half. So the one half was the, the sort of traditional wargaming stuff. Yeah. And then the other half was all the, the, the sort of more modern yeah. uh, board gaming. Um, I was very well behaved and only picked up one game. You did. You did. Yeah. <laughs> it was a good game you picked up. I did. I picked up Sushi Roll. Yes. Because um, it's, ah. it's one that I was really, really keen to try and play at UK Games Expo, but I just could not get near the stand. I don't know if you... So this is the new dice roll? Yes. Yeah, right. yeah, correct. It's, it, you know, it's it's the same designer, it's got the same cutesy aesthetic, yeah. but it, like Frank's saying, it's dice drafting instead of card yeah. drafting. Um, I don't know if you found this at Expo, Frank, but the you know, like Friday's traditionally the sort of quieter day. Friday was mental. Yeah. yeah, it was really, really busy. I mean, for me, my perspective obviously is slightly different because UK Games Expo is my primary show for being on my booth. Yeah. So I don't, I literally don't leave the booth. But the traffic that we had, the amount of people coming into our booth on Friday was much more than I've experienced in previous yeah. years. Yeah. Um, so saying that to say um, when, when, you realise how busy the Friday was. That to, that sort of sets the tone yeah. for the whole weekend. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I, yeah, I couldn't get near the Coil Spring stand, which is a good thing, right? Because it means yeah. that more people are engaging. But I finally got my own copy of Sushi Roll, and uh, we had a little play of it, yes, didn't we? It was good fun. Yeah. So, yes. what what did you think of it compared to the? I liked it because again, I kind of thought 
you know, like compared to Sushi Go, Sushi Go Party, is it going to be different enough or is it just going to be they're just swapping out one thing yeah. for another thing? But actually, it did feel a lot more luck, you know, random, I would say, even in, yeah. in, its, in, in how you play it. I, I really enjoyed it and it did feel different enough, but within the same sort of family of games. But does it take the same length of time to play or is it? it quite different. Uh, no, I'd say it's roughly the same sort of length, really. R- roughly the same sort of length, and I think you could it, it still occupies that same sort of place on the, the gaming spectrum I think, where, you know, you could play it with kids, you could play yeah. it with people that have a passing at best interest in games. It, it, it's still very lightweight. The The rule sheet's basically a four-page yeah. leaflet. Okay. Um, and the good thing is that the, the all the player boards show you how many times each symbol occurs yeah. on each dice and how many points everything's worth. So you're not having to constantly consult books yeah. Yeah. For, to, to that end. Um, it's really nice for the kind of the smaller games to do that because it means that you can see that they're also targeting gamers and people who actually, you know, they want to think about these things and the people who like those details as well as the lighter people who probably don't even consider that yeah. side of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it ticked a lot of boxes for me and yeah. like you, I was maybe a wee bit worried that they were just substituting a gimmick in. Yeah. But I, I feel like it is different enough from Sushi Go to to stand up on its own. Yeah. I, I still think that Sushi Go Party is one of the the best games ever. Yeah. Um <laughs> but but Sushi Roll's still a good yeah. game and I, I think it is still worthwhile checking out. And I I think particularly for uh groups that have a lot of families and kids. Yeah. Cuz yeah. what kid does not love chucking dice? Yeah, it's more tactile as well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's true. And definitely. you can play it with two players yeah. as well. Does it still have the kind of the artwork side of it? Because one of the things I love about Sushi Go is obviously when you've got the cards and the pictures, they're quite cute and fun. So does the dice lose that? Well, it's or? the exact same dice um, embossed. Embossed. Yeah, you know, embossed. so it's like oh, embossed okay. onto it, but it's the exact same designs. So you would recognise it. It's like the wee, the wee smiley faces of the sushi and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, cool. it's, it's really good. It's really, and the dice are really well made. They're really nice. Nice, chunky handy, dice. Chunky yeah. dice. Yeah. A really colourful game. Yeah. And everything, like you're saying, Frank, it's still got that that very sort of blocky, simplistic, kawaii yeah. Yeah, so sort kitschy, of art style. Almost, yeah, yeah. It's still got that. Yeah. yeah. So you, you look at it right away and know it's, a, it's one of the Phil Walker Harding sushi yeah. games. Yeah. <laughs> no, I look forward to checking it out. Yeah. yeah. Um, we also finally got around to playing Fury of Dracula. Yes. Which is an old, old game, right? I mean, everyone forgets it's it's an old games workshop board yeah, game. Yeah. But it's only recently now that WizKids have got the games workshop license for making board games that they've finally printed a new edition. Yeah. Because they were going for crazy prices Ooh, yeah. for a long time, you know, when it was just... It's the fourth edition now, right? It is, yeah. Because yeah. it, it was the previous one, the uh, Fantasy Flight had the license for a while, but then they stopped printing it. And then the scalpers yeah. Uh, <laughs> shot those prices right up. Yeah. But um, have, have you played Fury of Dracula, Frank? I have, yeah. So I have the third edition version. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, I mean, I hate to think how much first and second edition of that yeah. game is costing and where who, who still owns that. Yeah. But 
Um, I have played it. I've only played it once, and it was a good few years ago, but it was it's a really interesting game. It provides a really fun experience, which is quite different to a lot of other games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I, I think when you think of the sort of one versus many games, that, and especially because it's a, a sort of gothic one versus many game, right away you draw comparisons with Letters from Whitechapel. Yeah. Right? But the the thing about Letters from Whitechapel is you just have to catch yeah. Jack. Like, yeah. one, once you uncover where he is, it's game over. Jack yeah. is lost. It does mean that it's harder to find Jack because you have the added thing in Fury of Dracula is you have to find him, <laughs> then you have to yep. fight him. Yeah. And he's an all-powerful vampire lord, so... Yep. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, I I really liked it. I absolutely loved it. I I played Dracula, so we played it. I think we played it three times, yeah. and I will be honest and say I kept messing up. Now some of it was just simply maybe not understanding the rules. You know, the to first be fair to you games. though, like we were saying that it does feel like a really old school board game. Yeah. That it, you can tell that it's from that sort of Arkham Horror era of yeah. board gaming where it's a big, big game and there's lots of moving parts. Yeah. And I think with those sorts of games, um, you, you do generally need yeah. to have a couple of runs Play-throughs. at it. Yeah. It's kind of that period before people started considering the learning curve of games yeah. and they were more yeah. about this is the experience we want to give people and they'll work it out and then they'll enjoy yeah, it ba- yeah back, back the way rather than yeah yeah like it was definitely yeah. back when it was a bunch of nerdy dudes <laughs> yeah in their mum's basement playing yeah. games it, it's that it's that sort of era before yeah. it was okay to be geeky the, the one big criticism though that I do have of the game was the colour scheme. I really struggled with the colour yes. scheme, um, even to the point where actually it did end up messing up the game for you halfway through. Well, it messed up for everyone. Yeah. Because it was basically what happened. Um, if, if anyone's seen the, the Fury of Dracula map for, for the Wiz Kids edition, the, the regions are all quite... Sort of desaturated, sepia tone, sort of of reds and browns. It does mean that if your eyesight is not 100%, or sometimes even if you're low light, it's hard to discern where a region ends and one begins. And you. You had asked if I was in Germany, and I said yes. Using the psychic bond. Yeah. 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 And I had said yes because I was actually what I hadn't realized was I was in I was just over the border in Vienna uh-huh. which is part of Hungary the Hungary um Austro-Hungarian yeah. region yeah. rather than the Germany region yeah. and it was so subtle that you know because I was explaining to to Ben and Josh that when we were playing it is it's not that I can't like I'm I'm colorblind it's sharpness of colors when they blend together I can't always tell where one colour starts and one ends. And so I couldn't define the the boundaries of the regions. Yeah. So I then sent them on a wild goose chase into Germany when I, actually I was hiding out in Hungary. <laughs> 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 but then I, I, I sort of, I told you where I was. I think when I realised what had happened, I yeah. sort of, I said, well, I'll make up to you. I am, I have been here. So get yourselves over here and <laughs> figure out what to do. <laughs> and as as much as that that's definitely a design flaw yeah. the, with the colour thing. And we we've spoken about it in the podcast before about 
you need to make considerations with uh, with color choice yeah. uh, for for people who are visually impaired, be, be that color blindness, whatever. Yeah. Um, but I, it, it's a problem I've run into a couple of times with these sorts of um, one versus many hidden movement games. Yeah. If you make a, if you make one mistake, you can throw it. You it can, could, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. the other one that I messed up on as well was. I took a I took a railway instead of a road. Yes. And I couldn't it, it because on the, the 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 railways are in white and the roads are in red. And you don't always see the road because the map's so small, but the railways always stand out. And as we all know, Dracula is banned from yep. every rail company. <laughs> He's not allowed on those trains. <laughs> He's not allowed. Yeah, not allowed yeah. in the trains. And the challenge that comes from it is that you don't want to make it obvious that you're looking because if someone asks you a question, you can't really get up and move over the board because as soon as you do that, they know that you're either there or you're very close to them. Yeah. And you need to be able to know in your head the answer to these questions. You need to be able to quickly say to someone, this is yes or no. And as soon as you kind of like, because you're giving away information, it's about people yeah. not knowing things. And as yeah. soon as you behave in a non-direct way you're giving them clues yeah 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 it's and it's a problem that that all of those sorts of hidden traitor games have but we had said that um i mentioned earlier about the comparison with letters from Whitechapel and fury of dracula but you can tell in many respects that the guys that designed letters from Whitechapel have been thinking well, this was a problem with Fury of Dracula that yeah. we're going to try and fix by doing this. Yeah. And one of the things is that in Letters from Whitechapel, there's a, a, a number, an address, if you will, for every location. You get given a pad with the game and you've basically got a mini uh, like GM screen, screen. Yeah. with your own yeah, version of the map. Yeah. So it means that you actually have to write out your route. Yeah. And it's it's a lot more comprehensive that way, yeah. I yeah. think, than in Fury of Dracula, where you've got that terrible yeah. low-res mini-map and, like you're saying, the regions with yeah. all the colours that merge together. Well, I ended up taking the um, the, G- the DM screen thing from Letters of Whitechapel <laughs> and using the elephant meeple that you get in Microbrew, you know, from One Free Elephant <laughs> as, as Dracula, yeah. just so that I could plot where I was going. Because I, you know, because I kept being like, right, okay, where have I been? What am I doing? You know, what's it's going like on? Dracula's traveling circus. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. I was. Um, we were at a convention a few months ago, and we were playing a um, space game. I think it was um, Century Saga or something, and um, I probably just butchered the name horrifically. But when we opened it up basically all of the spaceships and all of the pieces were missing from the game and it was a new one and obviously we contacted them and they said they send replacements yeah. so that was fine but we really wanted to play it so we ended up getting my copy of city of kings and taking all of the resource tokens <laughs> out and the cubes out yeah. and we're like okay so the fish are the small spaceships and the axes <laughs> are the large spaceships and we created like this little key of ridiculous information and it's like amazing how much you can still play a game with like the wrong pieces yeah. sometimes yeah. yeah, substitute pieces. Yeah, it, it, it wasn't as thematic. Yeah. yeah, I mean the the little elephant <laughs> jarred a little bit with the the tone, <laughs> the the Dracula story, and it's one of these things like when it when it comes to reviewing the game, we're like, right, I'm probably going to have to come down yeah. on them for that. But at the same time, 
like you're saying, like just purely from the perspective of a consumer, you can sometimes just filch things from other yeah. games to fix a Improvise, game. don't you? Yeah. And having said that, I don't feel that it soured my experience of it. You know, I still felt no. I had an absolutely brilliant time. You did that. You did. That's the time when you got me. You killed yeah, me. Did, yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, who doesn't want to play a vampire elephant? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There we go. That's that's your next game. <laughs> right, it's done. It is done. Um, yeah. And the uh, last game to for us to talk about before we move on is Wingspan. Yes. Yes. Played a lot of Wingspan. Played a lot of Wingspan. Yeah. <laughs> Who hasn't played a lot of Wingspan? I, know. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I was saying to you the other night. I think I've, I've had over ten plays of that game now. It's probably the game you've played most this year. I would I say, think. yeah, uh-huh. yeah. And it, it's one of these ones where I, whenever a game's quite hyped up, yeah, more often than not, I'm disappointed by it. Yeah. Um, I, I, I felt that way with, like I said to you, with Gloomhaven, um, that. I, I could see the appeal, but I, I felt that it had been blown out of proportion yeah. somewhat. Yeah. But with Wingspan, I I just right away it it, it clicked yeah. with me. And maybe it's just because it's a, an animal game. Yeah. <laughs> I love learning about the uh oh, this, what was it? The the trumpeter swan. The trumpeter swan is the is, largest. No. No, sorry. The trumpeter swan is the heaviest. Heaviest bird. In bird. North Ooh, there you go. See, yeah, there you go. Facts. <laughs> That's what we love. <laughs> yeah. You need facts from board games. Exactly. You know, it's the most important thing. Exactly. That's it. Have you played Wingspan, Frank? I have. Um, I've only played it once. So one of the like kind of running traits that I think a lot of people will find about me is that I like to play a lot of new games. So there's only a few games that I play more than one or two times i would say i probably play three or four hundred games once a year and then there's a few games i play multiple times so wingspan um as soon as it came out i played it and i tried it and it's as you say it's kind of it ticks all the boxes in terms of the you know the production obviously is like right up there the kind of the facts the theme is interesting it's different i think for me the game is it's really good at what it's trying to do, but what it's trying to do isn't necessarily the kind of game that I want to play. Like I can see um, how it's been designed. I can see how for the right people, it's a really good game. Um, For me, I generally, when I'm playing kind of engine building card kind of games, I prefer there to be a little bit more depth to it. But I think that for people who are new to engine building, people who just enjoy that kind of more relaxed, casual gaming side of things, I think it's a really, really solid game. Yeah. Well, we'd I suppose we've been playing it, or I played it three player for the first time yesterday, yeah. um, but we'd only ever played it two player. And I think, like like you're saying, what you're looking for in a game, when we're gaming, I, I can't play a game that's too competitive because mm-hmm. I will get so, so angry at you. <laughs> And it's not fair. Because <laughs> then I'm stuck with you. And yeah. have to make dinner and have to be polite but to you. Wingspan feels really, really zen. Yeah. And the thing that we were saying yeah. last night is I've not actually won many games of Wingspan. For yeah. all I've played it a lot. And it, as infantile as that maybe sounds, I think it tells you a lot about how well a game is designed that you can you, still enjoy it. You lose most of the games that you play, yeah. but you still, I still really like this game. Because you were getting a bit irked with 
quacks of Quidlingburg. Yeah. Because you'd you'd played loads of it, but you know, you'd you'd feel as if you weren't able to to win. But it's because quacks is so random. Yeah. And <laughs> you've got the um see the bonus dice. Yeah. I actually think that that should just be thrown out altogether. It's kind of win win mechanic. It's a win more it? mechanic, yeah. 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 I think the the joy that comes from games like Wingspan is the fact that you are effectively building an engine. You start with basically nothing, and by the end of the game, you've achieved something. So the satisfaction isn't necessarily whether you've achieved something better than other people. It's just whether you've achieved something that you personally find satisfying. And that's a really, like, I love that kind of game design because you just look at it at the end and you're like, I did this, and I made these decisions, and this is the thing that it's now generating, and I just had fun doing it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I I think that's spot on. And yeah. I, I think I think that goes for a lot of the the sort of tableau yeah. building games that in in many ways, like Frank's saying, it, it doesn't matter if you if you achieve the the overall objective. Yeah, uh, you know, i.e. to to accrue the most points. There's just something to be said for having lots of exotic birds laying lots of eggs. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Why wouldn't you want that? Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. Treat to see the kind of expansion for Wingspan because obviously they're designing it and it is coming out, but not. And this is the strange thing. I think it's what makes Wingspan so successful of what it's tried to do is that I don't really care about the new mechanics. I just want to see the birds. new birds. Yeah. Well, that's like well, that's yeah. it. And let's get and, birds of paradise in there. But, but, yeah. yeah. <laughs> this is something that that we mentioned yeah. is that it's got almost limitless scope for expansion because. Yeah. All of the birds that feature in the Wingspan Core game are in North America. Yeah. You could do you could do birds of South America. Mm-hmm. You could do an Australian birds expansion. You yep. could do all sorts. Yeah. And it, you know it could just be card packs. Yeah. You swap in. Yeah. 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 So <laughs> from from one animal game to another. Yes. Let's let's talk about Isle of Cats. Isle of Cats. It's it's a game and it's it's got some cats in it, so I mean it's it's definitely a good crossover. Yeah. And you know, cats eat birds, so yeah. I'm not saying anything, but you know, yeah. <laughs> it's the natural evolution of this conversation. A, an absolutely flawless segue there. Yep. I think well, well, well done everyone. <laughs> so give us a very brief overview of, of Isle of Cats for people that, that haven't heard of the of the game yet. Okay, so the Isle of Cats is a wonderful player. It goes up to six of expansions. Um, Card drafting, cat placement game. So this is a game where you're going to be given a handful of cards. You're going to be choosing cards that do all sorts of things. You're going to use those cards to rescue cats from an island that you're then going to be placing onto a boat in front of you. All of the cats are kind of Tetris-like shapes, so they're all sorts of different shapes that you're trying to place onto your boat. But whilst most of these kind of like polyomino games as they're referred to that kind of exist are quite light friendly kind of casual games this is a much bigger it's a kind of a full 90 minute experience it's designed for people who are kind of gamers who really want to have that let's play a big game they the other side of it is there's also a solo mode which is a completely custom kind of designed solo mode so if you want to play through a kind of custom built polyomino um, experience you can do that as a solo player and also there is a full family mode so 
if you want that lighter experience or if you've got children or you've got friends coming over who aren't gamers you can use this to play the family mode with them and then you can play the kind of the full game yourself and to kind of give an idea of the differences. The family mode is a two-page rule book. It's a single sheet that's double-sided, whilst the full game itself is 24 pages. Yeah. So it's a substantially different version of the game, but it gives you a really good kind of learning point for people to kind of be progressed into bigger games. That's really cool. But there's something yeah. to be said for being able to scale the difficulty yeah. of a game. I mean, it, as much as I think a, a lot of the the sort of board game purist crowd will maybe be down on me for this. It's one of the things that I really like about uh, Age of Sigmar. Yeah. Is that it supports that bolt-on approach that you can just use the the core rules. Yeah. Or you can go and add in all these other ridiculous rules to the pot. Uh, I think it, it's it's encouraging to hear that, that we're seeing board games yeah. doing that doing sort that of thing. Well. Yeah. I think it's it's a natural evolution for so many reasons. I mean, with the City of Kings, which is obviously my first game, there are so many people who say to me they play it with their children and they like to play games with their kids. And they obviously like to play games with their friends and other people as well. But that kind of crossover of this becoming a family-based hobby rather than yeah. an individual person-based hobby yeah. is really important. And the other half of that is... I have a lot of board games and I mean, my collection now is around 800 and I have a lot of friends who come to my house and they browse my games and there's nothing kind of more infuriating than when someone comes over who's not big into games and they pick something off the shelf and you're kind of like, you can't really play that game. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's, it's this weird, like, I don't want to call you an idiot, <laughs> but maybe we should play this instead because you just, you're not familiar with the mechanics and yeah. the kind of the challenge it would give you would stop you from enjoying that game yeah. at this point. Yeah. 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 It's a barrier to entry, really, yeah. isn't it? Exactly. Yeah. So having both of those boxes ticked works very well. Um, one of the biggest challenges I have with this game is... I love cats. You know, I'm a cat person. <laughs> I've always enjoyed cats. And so many cat games are light games. They're not kind of big gamer thinking yeah. games. There's, I don't have a cat game where I can say, I'm going to take this to my gaming group tonight and suggest that we play this all evening long without them kind of screaming at me for the ridiculousness of the games that I would bring. And I made this bigger game. But what I realized is so many people are going to look at it and go, hey, cats, that's easy, that's light, that's yeah. a quick little game. And I didn't want them to buy it and then not be able to play it. Yeah. So having this secondary mode also means that if it's in a comic store or it's just in, like, you know, um, Waterstones or the English bookstore, um, you know, if someone picks it up, they're always going to be able to play it regardless of whether yeah. they play the kind of like full game or just a subset yeah. of that. I'm just thinking, actually, of our, our friend Scott and Amy. Um, Amy's not a gamer by any means no. and Scott does enjoy quite a complex strategic game I yeah. would say but this would be ideal for because Amy ha has always wanted to get involved she's always wanted to try I remember we said we spoke about this before in the podcast the first game that you ever played with Amy was Arkham Horror <laughs> and so that whole, like, <laughs> she was just like no I'm done yeah. I'm done and it was the old edition the old edition yeah but something like this where there is a, a more, not this, I don't want to say a simplified version, but there's one that's not quite so complex or, you know. I think the good thing is.
the more the more experienced gamer can still engage with it, but without feeling like they're necessarily having to pull their punches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it also, you know, it does so many different things because it drastically changes how long the game takes to play. Mm-hmm. So, you know, with four people, it's going to take you an hour and a half, but the family mode is probably only going to take you about half an hour to 40 minutes, yeah. which means you can use it as a light gateway game for the filler kind of side of things at the start of the night, or you can use it as the full game. Um, and the second thing is I kind of, the whole point behind the family mode was identifying the core importance of a game. And for me, with a game like this, where it's about getting points and having the most points, if I can create a small version of the game that you can play, and at the end of that session, you understand how you get points, you understand your objectives, you understand what you're trying to achieve and do, then later introducing complexities into stopping you being able to do that is an easier learning curve because you already know what your kind of focus is. Yeah. Yeah. So sort of eventually you can remove those training wheels for want of a better phrase. Exactly. Um, And you already know half of the game. You already know the core, what you're trying to do and learning how to do that is it's an easier step because you already feel confident. You already feel like I know what I have to do. Yeah. Yeah. You you mentioned earlier about the, this this perception that that people seem to have about a game themed around cats being a a, a lighter game or a, a party game. What what do you think has cemented that perception? I think it's just because that's the standard, and it's one of the things that's been really interesting about this whole experience for me. Because obviously, I'm running the Kickstarter at the moment, and I found, I mean, what I like to do is I like to do something that's different. The City of Kings was always a very, very different game to what a lot of people assumed it to be. And with the Isle of Cats, it's that same thing where I've kind of said, where's the hole in the market that I want to fill? I want to fill a good, solid, medium weight game that is cat themed and also polyomino based. And where it becomes really interesting for me is both the polyomino side of it and the cat side of it both fight me because if you think of polyomino games you think of indian summer spring meadow cottage garden you think of patchwork you think of copenhagen you think of ariel you think of all of these different light games that are always very simple and very very basic so the perception is that you're getting a light simple game and then when you go to cats it's that same thing you think of you know games like exploding kittens which is probably the most mainstream cat game. And not to say that there aren't cat games that are bigger, not to say there aren't polyomino games that are bigger, but both of these kind of, the core mechanic and the core theme are generally perceived to be lighter things. So the challenge I set myself was, how do you take these two things and create that heavier version? But the perception of it is very challenging because you always have to kind of, you have to find those triggers that make people start to gather actually maybe this is a little bit more than i initially perceived it to be yeah. yeah so with isle of cats you could almost say you're filling that awkward polyomino shaped hole in the market yes <laughs> exactly that yeah. yes i i love to say to people it sits somewhere between baron park and feast Roden. there's a big <laughs> giant crazy game tiny kind of fun little game and it's just somewhere in the middle you were saying uh, before we came on the show as well about uh d- discovering that that cats can be quite divisive mm-hmm. bizarrely 
So what what what's the the weirdest exchange you've you've had with regards to that? <laughs> I think that it's one of those things where there's always an element of kind of jokiness to it, but yeah, there are certainly people out there who I think it's you know if I say to you, would you like a cup of tea, and you say yes, and then I say, do you want milk or do you not want milk? Like there's a very black and white answer to that. Yeah. A lot of people love milk and a lot of people hate it, yeah. and. It's not to say that you wouldn't, if I, if you said you wanted black tea and I put milk into it, you might still drink it. You know, you might still put up with it. You're not going to have like the worst night of your life, but you're probably going to be very frustrated and you're going to be miserable and you're going to be moany about it. And I think like cats have that same thing because they're such a mainstream animal. They're so all over the internet. They're so, so everywhere that you have this constant running dialogue of I love cats or I hate cats and I think that it's not that anyone necessarily says anything weird it's just it's so funny how direct people are where they just say I don't like cats therefore I'm not going to look at this and I find it intriguing because obviously that's totally within everyone's right to do so but one of the one of the things I've done is the cats in this game they're not household cats you know this is not your little kind of ginger cat that sits on the end of your bed every night this is not um, my white cat who loves running around and kind of just sitting on my lap these are fantasy cats these are cats that have um, crystals growing out of them these are cats that have horns these are cats which are designed to be within the fantasy world of the city of kings so they're a little bit more than that you can look at one of them and go is that a cat or is it a reindeer you can look at one and go is that a cat or is it a rabbit they're all inspired to be slightly less common cats than you might expect and for me i think a lot of people have enjoyed that but i hoped that that would help move us out of that i like cats or i don't like cats kind of category but didn't make a difference to those people they're still cats and therefore they must be hated (laughs) it's weird isn't it how selective people are with with applying logic to that because they'll they'll not think anything about playing a game with zombies in it or like you know be tentacled cosmic monstrosities but it's like well you don't actually like them you wouldn't keep one in your house (laughs) i'd like to think (laughs) yeah but but you don't mind playing a a game with them in it but so for some reason just because there's cats in it you can't you can't play it yeah anyway it's it is kind of <laughs> fascinating to just see these perceptions and it's the same thing as i was saying about the lighter polyomino games or the lighter cat games or the themes of things some people will play space games some people will play fantasy games um i will play both because i just like the variety of those experiences yeah but you do have um you have groups of people that have particular tastes and i think that's it's one of the interesting things and i think that that was the challenge we were talking earlier about wingspan that Jamie had when he, um, the designer, pub, or not designer, sorry, the publisher of um, Wingspan, is that when he kind of told distributors about this game, no one knew how anyone was going to react yeah. to a bird game. And it caused them all sorts of troubles for being able to kind of get the numbers right. Whilst with the Isle of Cats, it's kind of different because everyone thinks, hey, everyone loves cats. <laughs> but there's there's a real clear divide and it's actually not necessarily quite as all-encompassing yeah. as you might expect you you mentioned uh, just there about the the cats being quite fantastical because they they exist in the the universe of the the city of kings 
all of the games that that you've released with with the the city of games so far have been set in the same universe does that make designing games more challenging because they're all within the same universe or is it the opposite it it does and it doesn't i mean it's one of those things where there's so many sides to it so it makes it more challenging because yes you have to you've kind of got some constraints you know it has to be within this fantasy world and there's rules like i don't have electricity in this world so obviously that could be restricting in certain situations but it's also quite freeing and it allows for more creativity because now this world has grown so much and there's so much story and there's so much depth and there's time which just adds such levels of interest to kind of things you know you don't consider the world like the real world as today you think of it as all the different periods in time we kind of go through and that just means that every time you come up with an idea you have so many different paints to choose from you know you've got so many different places and i think a really good example of that would be when i first started this game i knew it was going to be about cats the one of the initial inspirations was why isn't there a polyomino game that uses cats because cats are known for stretching into all of these weird shapes and positions so it just makes sense you know let's do it where every tile was a different cat in a different pose because it's a natural thing so that was the original it's going to be cats it's going to be polyominoes it's going to be a medium weight game let's go with it and to start with you know, when I was pre kind of just playing around the initial concepts, it was a house and you were just a person who was crazy about cats and you were trying to get as many cats into your house as possible. And I wanted there to be um, resources. So you had to use stuff to get these cats. So we ended up with like the cat shop where you would be buying cats and putting them into your house. And then we kind of got the game working like to a degree where I was quite happy with it. And I kind of thought to myself, you know, like, how am I going to theme this? Because the idea of playing a game where we're encouraging people to, like, go to a shop and buy cats and kind of cram them into their house, it just doesn't have the right message. Like, it's, like, but that primary message for me is buying cats isn't necessarily, that's not what I want to be doing. And so that was it, you know, okay, so we've got the concept, we know the mechanics, we're now going to turn this into the City of Kings. And as soon as I had that thought in my head, I went, okay, so I've got a world where there's this evil villain who's destroying and killing everything. So why aren't we rescuing these cats? Why aren't we trying to save these cats? Why aren't we encouraging the concept of, you know, adopting and helping and just kind of having that more positive vibe to it? So we thought, you know, let's make this island in our world. Let's have it inhabited by these creatures. Let's give them a story. Let's give them history, a civilization that's been there for thousands of years. And now these cats are there. I didn't want a house because I thought the house was just plain. All polyomino games are just rectangular. I wanted something that was a more interesting shape something that was more dynamic and more challenging and i thought well if we're going to this island then let's go on boats because boats can be all sorts of interesting curved shapes that create all sorts of interesting kind of options and decisions so as soon as this you can hear my kind of my thoughts the excitement brings me like, <laughs> that kind of process of having this fantasy world made this game have such a more creative interesting kind of positive theme yeah than if I was sat there with nothing. So I, I, I see it in every way as kind of a positive um, thing to be doing. It's interesting uh, what you mentioned there about trying to move away from 
the 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 hoarding of cats into into the one the one house and and veering more towards this message of of, of animal rescue. Um, Charlotte's sister, yes, has two rescue cats. Yeah, Fred and George. Yep, and they were rescued from a house that had over seventy cats in it. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, and it was like they they needed to be like quarantined, so yeah. there was no. It was down. I think it was down in Liverpool or somewhere yeah. like that. So there was nowhere nearby that there was not enough places to rehouse all the cats. So yeah. about I think about forty of them were sent up to Scotland to go between the cats protection and the you know the SSPCA, which is the Scottish equivalent mm-hmm. of the RSPCA, um, to be rehoused just because there was not enough facilities for them. Um, and again, this this whole idea about you know wanting to sort of rehome them and and give them an opportunity because I mean one of the cats is quite curious Fred he'll come out and see what what's going on I've never met George yet he doesn't come out from underneath the bed because quite a bit of trauma you know, there yeah you know what, what, what he that's his safety and he'll come out with my sisters there and stuff like that and and sit with my sister but he when there's people in the house he won't come out whereas Fred's quite curious and wants yeah. to find out what's going on and stuff like that yeah. And again, this is one of the things that I really wanted to do with this game, which was rather than having cute, fun, party kind of cat games, just going to like, let's just look at real cats. Let's yeah. look at the way they behave. When you look at our tiles, the different pieces in the game, um, we've got nearly 200 um, individually painted cats across the whole game now. Like Every piece has a new, unique, sorry, a unique cat on it. Yeah. And just trying to show those different types, you know, the playful cats, the tired cats, the scared cats, the kind of the grooming cats, just trying to get those personalities across in a more kind of, this is what it's like to have these creatures yeah. is just more interesting. And don't get me wrong, you know, at its heart, this game is a fantasy fun yeah. game. But for me as a cat lover and someone who's had a fair few cats over the years, it's just the way to kind of shine the positive and the real kind of side of cats into a game that we can sit down and play for an evening and just kind of see as a more kind of enjoyable experience. It's quite nice to see not not just what, with with what you're doing, Frank, but I think game design in general, people are trying to push the boundaries a little yeah. bit more. And you've seen quite a few games in recent years where they're exploring bit more depth and sometimes even the sort of moral yeah. well, issues. Endangered yeah. comes to mind, you know. Endangered. Um, I'm even thinking of um, uh, holding on. Yeah. It's yeah. the yeah the the troubled life of Billy Kerr. I yeah. think is the full name of it. Whether or not these games are good or bad, I think in some ways isn't necessarily yeah. a problem. It's just that it's it's good that that people are pushing the boundaries. Yeah. That it's as much as I like games with. Uh, flaming swords and yeah. zombies and all that. Yeah, it it is good to sometimes think about the deeper issues. Yeah, and I think what I'm trying to do, especially with games like The Isle of Cats, is really push this concept of it. You don't need to call the game, you know, adopt cats or rescue cats. Yeah. You don't need to kind of have the 
it's really dry it's really dull it's just about the kind of the message and it's about finding a way to still create those flaming swords and those zombies and creating something that's a bit more fantastical but still having an underlying message so when you play the game you get immersed you get engrossed you look for that satisfying experience we talked about earlier and you have fun but at the end of the game you're just left with this kind of little dwelling message in the back of your head of you know rescuing cats is a good thing you know and it just kind of it helps you get the message across without having to be so in your face about it very, that got very deep yeah. quite quickly i'm so excited i'm <laughs> yeah. so excited. Really excited everyone thought it was going to be a little fun cat game yes. suddenly we've got into emotions <laughs> we've got into seriousness and you know wow yeah let's go yeah. and adopt all the cats then yeah. <laughs> but but not too many not too many we're trying to send a positive message yes yes yeah don't hoard cats kids we're struggling with the one that we have at the moment yeah. <laughs> yes we are um that is about all we've got time for but before we sound off frank if people are interested in the city of games and isle of cats uh, where, where should they go so the easiest place to go to is our website, which is www.thecityofkings.com. And that has all of our stuff encompassed. On Twitter and Facebook, you can find us at City of Games HQ. And of course, you can find the Isle of Cats on Kickstarter um, for the next few weeks as well. Brilliant. Here we go. Excellent. Frank, thank you very much for joining us. Oh, it's been a pleasure. I love coming on the chat with you guys and hope we can do it again soon. Yes. Yeah, I'm sure yeah. we will. And for our listeners, wherever you are, thank you for joining us, and we'll see you next time. Bye.